Welcome, welcome everybody. Super excited to have you join Cameron and myself, your 2020 Live Be Yoga ambassadors for our brand new podcast called Why Now? So this is a podcast where we are unapologetically ourselves. We're talking all things yoga, meditation, asana, practices. We are interviewing so many amazing folks. But before we get into that, we want to tell you a little bit more about who we are and the things that we find joy and how we decompress and find moments of stillness. We are excited to be sponsored by NOW, a family-owned company offering more than 1,400 natural products, including essential oils and supplements. So head over to nowfoods.com. They are offering 20% off your entire purchase get it by using the coupon code YNOW20. So without further ado, here are your 2020 Live Be Yoga Ambassadors. Cameron, super excited for you to join me on this journey per usual. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to this journey on the mat. Wow, a lot of things just came to my mind when you said that. The first thing that came to my mind was a little room in Oklahoma, in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. But not in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, but like in the middle of the nowhere in Oklahoma, where I went to college. It was a little school called Northwestern Oklahoma State University. I played football there. And throughout my time playing football, I acquired a good amount of injuries and just like wear and tear through, you know, physical activity. And they were having yoga. They began having yoga sessions at nighttime on every night, uh, every Wednesday night at the, the school gym. And it was a biology teacher. He taught yoga. He was from India originally, and he practiced yoga. So he wanted to bring the offering because no one else in the town was practicing. And the first time I saw everybody practicing, I looked in there and I just thought like, oh, like that looks cool. And, and I feel like that would be helpful for me in my practice of football. So I was like, next week I'll go in there and I'll do my thing and I'll just show everybody up. Right. Because, yeah, I was still kind of in that whole jock mode of like, I'm going to go in there and just do it and force it. And yeah, like I'm Cameron. This is what I do, you know. But yeah, so the next week I actually went in there. And I realized how inflexible I was. And really, that just brought me to so many different things. Like, it made me check my ego at the door, which was really beautiful for me because before, prior to that, I literally just used willpower towards everything in my life that I wanted to accomplish. You know, even going to school, I didn't necessarily desire it. But through willpower, I could do good in school. And maybe I wasn't the most athletic person, but through willpower, I still made it to a D2 college, which is pretty rare for people to go from high school to playing uh, collegiate sports. So, yeah, that, that was definitely a time that began softening me. And it even, even after that, once I started getting deeper into the practice, Maybe like two years later, when was my senior year, I was actually beginning to be more into yoga than I was into football itself. Like I was ready for the football year to be over so that I could begin practicing and learning about yoga 
So that's where I began. And, and I've done so many different things throughout the years. I worked in a trauma-informed care facility where I began to learn meditation and even practice meditation with the youth there. And we even did a little yoga at times in that facility as well. And then I began learning a little bit about just different types of yoga. So Hatha yoga, Ashtanga yoga, you know, Kriya yoga, a little bit now, even getting into bhakti yoga, learning about, you know, devotion and like how to soften in certain ways. So yeah, it's been an interesting journey even now, right? I'm, I'm in Kundalini teacher training right now. What about you, Monica? Where'd your practice start? So I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your childhood, but I would have these profound moments in school, fourth grade, third grade, I'm sitting doing whatever journaling prompt that we're supposed to do, mathematics. And then I would have this rushing thought over my head. It was like, just jump on the table right now. Just jump on the table. And whatever happens, happens. But you are the manifestor of your own reality. And I would like look around and like, are other kids thinking this like me? Or am I just like tripping over here? <laughs> so I would constantly try to tell myself to do this. It's like, you're the manifestor of your own reality. So my path to spirituality and of course yoga and yoga asana started at such an early age where I started to question like what is the nature of reality and so as a child I'm a writer and I would start to read books on meditation I would start to read books on quantum mechanics yes I was reading these things in fourth grade <laughs> and you know, spending so much time alone and not really having an outlet to talk to other folks or other kids my age about some of these things um, gave me a lot of time to delve into my own personal meditative practice. So my journey to meditation and yoga started around that age. And I, you know, through life, through adulthood, through, you know, breakups to makeups and all of these things, I kind of lost those parts of myself. And it wasn't until I was 27, I'm 33 right now, um, that I began to really have this cosmic shift in my thinking and really reprioritizing the parts of myself that I had neglected along the way. It was through incorporating yoga asana back into my life, specifically at the time yoga asana, because I didn't really understand the concept of the different limbs of yoga. When someone said, let's do yoga, I'm not picturing meditation or I'm not picturing Raja yoga. I'm not picturing a Kriya. I'm picturing downward dogs, which is a part of it, but it's just one aspect of it. It's one aspect of a greater whole. So at the time, my introduction to yoga was very much focused on the physical practice. And, you know, to be honest, a lot of it was rooted in ego. I was thinking about oh, I'll have a quote-unquote yoga body, which of course we now know there's no such thing as a yoga body. If you can get into a pose, if you can meditate, if you can lay in savasana, you are a yoga body. At the time, my mind didn't think like that because of the pictures and the images that I saw associated with yoga. So I'm thinking, I'll be super flexible. You know, maybe I'll lose a few inches around the waist. Like that was my introduction to yoga. And so I started to go to a local yoga studio. And from there, I started to pick up more understanding about the practice, so much so that I was so excited to begin my yoga teacher training. And it was at Barefoot Movement in Oakland, California. And from there, that's like the first thing that we learned about was the eight limbs. And so they were like, before you come in here, 
new, you know, YTT students and get all excited about training other folks, we need a journey inward. And what does that journey inward look like? And I had that aha moment that the practice has always been about returning to the self, returning to the source, returning to that inward um, illumination of who you are, bringing back all of the things, letting go of the samskaras or the things that we have imprinted on ourselves and like how to clear away all of these things so we can have clarity. Uh, so that's how I started my yoga practice um, from a weird little child growing up in the 90s, <laughs> listening to Brandy and Monica to, you know, 27 years old, bringing back that practice of meditation, mindfulness, um, to now, you know, really incorporating, especially Yoga Nidra. Uh, yoga Nidra has been a saving grace for me because it really focuses on stillness. And so it kind of debunks this idea of what yoga asana is. It's like, no, you don't have to be like doing a whole vinyasa practice. Sometimes asana looks like just being completely still and tapping into the subtle energies of the body. Um, and that's been really helpful for me, especially with the work that I do as a digital strategist and content creator where I'm constantly like going, going, going. And then my human design is a generator. I encourage everyone to look into their human design um, because it really allows you to have a better understanding of how you navigate in your life. Um, so because I'm just like constantly moving and constantly on a go, Yoga Nidra has helped me just like stop, tap in, connect to your center, reflect from a space of that, and then move forward. So yeah, that's my, that is my long-winded story of how I started my yoga journey. My favorite limb um, is actually pranayama. And it's quite interesting that pranayama is my favorite limb because pranayama is a limb of the breath and awareness of the breath. And yet I am constantly forgetting to breathe. In fact, I was diagnosed with social anxiety. And one of the things that has caused is sometimes in situations, I will have a panic attack. And my panic attacks are brought on by my inability or my, my feelings of an inability to breathe. And so pranayama and having awareness to the breath has been so beneficial for me. Understanding the different levels of breath. Sometimes we don't take the full extent of the breath that we have the capacity to do so. So, you know, taking a moment to inhale, belly rises. And just reminding myself to take that moment of sacred pause, especially when things are going, going, going. Um, I've even said in meetings when people are, we're all generating ideas and moving so fast. I'm like, can we just take a second for breath? And I have to be honest, a lot of that awareness around the breath came from you, Cameron. Uh, so for folks um, who are new to Cameron and myself. Cameron and I have known each other since 2017. I met him during the great American eclipse. I had this great awakening. I left my place in Los Angeles to go see uh, the eclipse in Tennessee because everyone in California was going to Oregon. And I was like, too saturated there. 
and I met Cameron at an herb shop where he practices herbalism. And since I've met Cameron and worked with him and just been, you know, blessed to have his presence, he's reminded me about the subtle movements and just taking my time and, you know, being intentional with how I'm navigating, not from a space of frenzy, but from a space of flow. So Cameron, I would love to know more of your thoughts uh, about the breath and things that you would like to share with the community. Yeah, thanks for that. And yeah, so much has happened since we've met. It's, it doesn't actually even seem like it's been since 2017 when I think about it. So many things have happened and yeah, just even thinking about the astrology of it for myself personally, it's just, it couldn't be any more on point. <laughs> But that's for another talk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, pranayama and the breath in general. Uh, I have a good friend named Amari, and I love the way that she describes the breath. Uh, so she describes the breath as divine intelligence, as divine intelligence. So whenever I'm breathing and just having this awareness of the breath, it always reminds me that if I break it down, it's simply information, right? It's how I'm informing my body, right? If I'm breathing deeply, I'm informing my body that everything is fine and I am safe. If I'm breathing from a shallow place or a place maybe more in my chest or in my, uh, in my lung space, for myself personally, it's often information telling myself you're not feeling comfortable about what you're expressing. You're not feeling comfortable about sharing what's in your heart, right? Because it's getting stuck there, literally. And these are just things that I find, have found over time about me and my relationship with my breath. So even from that perspective, not necessarily saying that is a universal thing, but if nothing else, it's just an invitation, not only to find awareness around the breath, but also, what is the information that is telling you? What happens, what is happening when your breath is in your chest? What is happening when you're breathing deeply? What is that, how is that informing your body? When you're breathing deeply, you have more circulation. So you're feeling more nourishment. When, when you're breathing shallow, you're not getting the blood everywhere you need to get it. So just from that simple perspective or that simple lens, the breath in and of itself is part of my diet, right? And I specifically say diet because I like to invite people to understand that or I invite people to reframe the perspective of diet, right? And that reframe includes every single thing in your life that brings you nourishment, right? So that's a reframe from what we should and shouldn't eat to what is our habitual nourishment. And the first thing on my list of habitual nourishment is the breath, right? So when I sit down and talk to clients, that's the first thing I ask them, how's your diet? And then they go into all these things and I allow them to, and then I just, just because I know at the end of it, I'm like, well, how much is your breath a part of your diet, right? Because we need that every day for nourishment but not even every day for nourishment, every minute for nourishment, but not even every minute for nourishment, 
but essentially almost every moment for nourishment. So just that reframe and, ooh, yeah, just talking about it, I just, yeah, it just changes where I put value in my life because no matter what's going on, I can always have that breath. It even makes me think of, they got infinite waters. <laughs> He's always talking about breathing in that beautiful prana and it's just so real. And it's, and, and I even invite people, I'm like, look, yes, this is spiritual. Also, this is fundamental. This is elemental. These are the building blocks of reality. It gets no more practical than this. It gets no more logical than this. And when we take that perspective with all the things that we're doing that are spiritual, like the spiritual becomes logical. They're not divorced from each other at any moment in time. We can speak of it that way, but we have to stay mindful to keep those things connected. I love that you said that because I tell folks all of the time, and you know this, I say this a lot to you too. I'm like, I'm a spiritual skeptic. <laughs> what is a spiritual skeptic? I was like, I, my path to spirituality started in my understanding of quantum mechanics, string theory, you know, things that I could actually identify. You know, the fact that we are the descendants of stardust, everything, the plants, the, the animals, we are all come from that one star seed. How can you not be spiritual? How can you not want to, you know, tap into that deeper level of consciousness and see what's awaiting for you on the other side? Because let me tell you, the best spiritual practices, the best guru is the one that you can create for yourself. And that's all you need. All you need is yourself sometimes. And that's beautiful when you're able to discover that because then that, that removes a lot of conditioning. That for me personally has removed a lot of ideas on, you know, codependency in my relationships. And it's so important to know that you have everything that you need within yourself. You are the infinite source. You are breathing in that good ass prana as infinite water says. <laughs> yeah, that's a thousand percent true. And something else about myself for everybody should know, I love talking about deconditioning and I love talking about reframing things and defining our own reality. So even just, I was sitting here listening to you talk about guru and then you went on to even explain it in and of itself. Because I know a lot of times these days people think of guru and they're like somebody who's like sitting at a higher level than I am looking down on me or somebody that I'm like giving my power to. And we have to stay mindful of the context of where the word guru comes from and what it even means. Right. Guru is literally like the remover of darkness. Right. Or even some people say it's just like, yeah, it's getting rid of goo. It's just like the stuff that's like stuck on to us and just removing that. So even like, and everybody's like, be your own guru, right? And I'm like, ooh, that sounds nice. Like, yes, be your own guru, but also can you allow a dog to be a guru, right? I saw this dog the other day and this other dog came up to it with so much aggression and, and it was so ferocious. And the other dog was just so calm. 
it was just wagging its little tail, just doing what it wanted to do. And in that moment, I realized, like, I, like, <laughs> it's funny because I walked by the human and the dog, and I, like, bowed to the dog, literally. Because I was like, namaskar. Like, thank you. Like, you just removed something that was on me, right? Like, in that moment, the dog was my guru, right? And allowing anything and everything to be our guru in life, it's just been a practice for me that has been so profound. So, yeah, just a little reframing there. I love that. Mic drop. Allow your dogs to be your gurus, y'all. So this year for the Live Be Yoga tour, we are focusing on the concept of decompression. Decompression looks like a lot of things for many different people. Sometimes decompression looks like taking a meditative run. That's what I like to do. Sometimes decompression looks like sitting in stillness and tapping into the subtle bodies. So I would like to open up the conversation with you, Cameron, again, as you really educated me on this concept of stillness and decompressing. So what are you looking forward to exploring during this tour with that theme of decompression? Yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to helping people decompress, like I was saying before, through deconditioning, right? A lot of times we just have stuff on top of us. And literally by taking stuff off, we can feel more space. And then also the idea of space, changing people's orientation to time is another big thing. Because when I think of time, I always keep, I keep space with it, right? Because we live in time space. So whenever, no matter what time it is, I can create space for myself. I can create space through taking that deep breath. I can create space through just giving my, myself like a little wiggle in my spine, right? No matter how it feels. And then not only that, people are gonna look at you weird when you wiggle your spine, so you give yourself even more space by nodding at them and just giving them a big smile, right? Giving yourself space to not feel compressed and closed in by other people being like, like what is this guy doing? I'm just like, mm, yeah, I'm moving my body. Thank you for noticing. And thank you for allowing me to practice creating more space in my body and in my life. Right. So that's what I look forward to the most. And there's so many different practices that we'll be sharing on the tour. But just that idea and that lens of orientation for me is most important. So typically, the Libby Yoga Tour is a physical tour where we'll be traveling across the country, going to different yoga studios, interviewing different folks at festivals, and really seeing how people decompress, seeing how people practice yoga, asana, how they incorporate the practice into their daily lives across the country. With the current state of being, um, we've really had to reimagine what this tour looked like. One thing that will remain is definitely interviewing folks from around the country and highlighting their work because it's so necessary. And we are so grateful to have this opportunity to showcase folks from around the country. I'm really looking forward to some of these virtual tour stops that we have and exploring what that looks like. I'm really excited about facilitating my own yoga nidra here or there. So please tap and tune in with that when that comes available. I'm really looking forward to some of the folks that we have on this podcast series. We have Adria Moses, she's an amazing yogi, comes from a trauma-informed lens, and she also focuses on ableism within the yoga community. 
Um, we have conversations with Hala Kwari. We have interviews with uh, Mona Sharma. She's Will Smith's nutritionist. Sometimes I joke that I'm going to put Mona Sharma as my nutritionist on my resume because like, boom, that's it. <laughs> Mic drop. Um, we also look forward to just interviewing anyone who wants to share their story through the hashtag campaign, the decompression series. So if you want to be a part of this movement, if you want to share your story with us, we would love to hear from you. Use a hashtag, hashtag the decompression series, and we'll be sharing your stories on our Instagram at livebeyoga and as well as yoga journal. So super excited to have you all on this journey with us. Super excited to continue this journey with you, Cameron. You know it's all love and we look forward to checking in with you on the next episode.